you. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to our weekend service. Uh, so excited to see you here. If you're a guest with us this morning, my name is Larry Nelson. I'm the pastor of Community Church. If you've been here in the past couple of weeks, I have not been here. My wife and I made a trip to Texas uh, for the birth of our first grandson. And uh, yes, we're very excited. And my dad was also recovering from back surgery, so we split time. I was in a rehab hospital and she was with the baby. And uh, I think some of you have seen pictures uh, in our Pastor E! News I sent out. And uh, just because I've been asked, no, I'm not jealous that my grandson has more hair than I do. <clears throat> but we're, uh, we're grateful to be back home, excited to return, uh, to be back with you. And uh, I just want to say publicly how much I appreciate uh, the men uh, who are so faithful uh, when needed uh, to stand and, and to bring God's word. And so I appreciate Chris in particular. Uh, he... We was, he, Chris was actually supposed to speak next Sunday, and when we found out my daughter was being induced, I uh, worked out a swap with him, so he confirmed this morning, he goes, I, okay, so like, I'm not speaking next weekend, right? And I said, well, I'll let you know on Friday. <laughs> but thank you, Chris, I appreciate you standing in. Jeff Wilkinson, I appreciate you so much, and then this morning, uh, Spencer Nichols is going to bless. So please, yeah, give them a hand of applause. Uh, so much, uh, so grateful for them uh, and uh, the opportunity to be away. And again, we're just glad to be back. Uh, when you came in this morning, I hope that you found a weekend program uh, on the pew somewhere near you. Uh, in that program, you'll find information about things that are going on in the life of our church uh, in particular. In just a few moments, when we conclude our worship, uh, it's the time when our children's ministry and youth ministry will move next door uh, to Webster. So just a heads up on that. And, um, and then uh, for those of you who are listening by way of radio or watching on YouTube, we're so grateful that you're uh, participating in our church. Uh, and we just want you to know that there continues to be plenty of space. So on the Sunday that you decide you're ready to uh, resume in-person services, we just ask if you will go to our website, which is ccgunnison.com, and just make a reservation. You'll see that the very first thing on the website. Make a reservation for either the 930 uh, or the 11, and that just kind of helps us track, uh, based on our commitment to the county, uh, the number of people uh, that are attending each of our services. But again, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. In just a couple of weeks, uh, we'll have a standalone message next weekend, and then two weeks uh, from today, we will begin uh, a new series called House Rules. We'll, it'll be a study through uh, the book of 1 Timothy. Very excited to begin that, and hope that you'll be with us throughout the course of the fall uh, as we progress in that. Now, I want to ask the Lord to bless our time together, and again, uh, Spencer, the stage will be yours when we're done worshiping, and again, praying for you, and so grateful uh, for each of you men who stood up and delivered God's word. So pray with me, would you? Father God, we come into your presence this morning through the name that is above every name, through the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Tis so sweet uh, to trust in Jesus. And God, we recognize that all of the good uh, that you have committed to us is anchored uh, to Jesus Christ, that the source of our blessing is found in, in him and in his perfect obedience in life and his perfect death uh, and your favor uh, in his resurrection. And so, God, we just worship you this morning, and as we continue to worship, we desire that we would exalt your name, that you would be pleased with the meditations uh, of our heart uh, and the words of our mouth, uh, that as we think, say, and do, we would do so to bring you glory, and that in that we would find uh, the joy that you have for us. I pray your hand of blessing on each person here this morning, whether they are here in person or listening. I pray, Father, for the one person who's looking for peace and hope that they would come to know uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, the opportunity for forgiveness and for new life. So, God, we want to faithfully continue to proclaim the gospel to our valley. 
Thank you for each of the men who have so faithfully stood and delivered your word in the past few weeks. And we especially pray this morning for Spencer as he comes. God, we just ask that you would hide him behind the shadow of the cross and that you would draw out of him the words that you've formed in his heart and in his mind uh, in the previous weeks uh, to edify, encourage, and challenge us as we continue to live out the place that you've planted us. Uh, Again, for the expanse of your kingdom and for the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.
me there we go I think kids are dismissed right how's that am I in the light Larry said put the table right here at the red that's where you're in the best light and I said I need that I really need to be in the best light congratulations by the way lolly and pop is that right that's pretty cool, lolly and pop. Together a lollipop. That is good. Yeah, it is great to see everybody. Usually if I'm sitting back there, I just get to see the back of some heads, so I'm glad to be up here and see your faces today. Um, I, I listen to 98.3, and I know there's probably people listening today, 98.3 The Edge. Shout out to Harv and Linda Reese for putting this on the air. Um, I love my oldies. Uh, maybe some of you do too. It's a great station. Uh, but as I was preparing this sermon, I have had a couple of songs kind of rolling around my head. And the first one is the song title today. I love you just the way you are. Right? Billy Joel? Yeah. Anyone? Yeah. Okay. Got a few oldies out there with me. Um, great song. So unfortunately, Billy Joel's been rattling around my head too. Um, the other song I'll share with you at the end of the sermon. Um, so I just decided that's a great sermon title. I love you just the way you are. But then I ended up having another sermon title and I decided not to go with that one. And the other one is masks are a bummer. <laughs> and you'll, you'll, you'll see why here in just a minute. Maybe you're like me. Um, I'm sure you're tired of wearing masks. I know they help. They protect a little bit. We're not the first ones that wore masks, are we? No. Masks have been around for a long time. Other kinds of masks, too. In fact, it goes all the way back to our first. Our first ancestors also wore masks. A little different kind. Weren't made of cloth. Didn't have emblems on them. Didn't cover just the mouth and nose. It probably covered all of them. So this morning we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 25 through 313, and read about the first masks that were worn. Okay? So follow along. I think it may be on the screen. If not, you can grab a Bible and follow along with me. Chapter 2, Genesis, verse 25 
the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Sure would be nice to stop right there, wouldn't it? We can't. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him. They hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Let's pray real quickly. If you would just take a few seconds on your own, <clears throat> just ask God to speak to you today, would you? Would you do that? now just pray for someone next to you or someone you know that's listening today. Ask God to speak to them. Father, we do desperately want to hear from you. We are desperate for you. Lord, would you speak to each one of us today? Help us not to leave here without some encounter with you. Some knowing that we have we have uh, heard from you today, Lord. I know the words of my mouth and are, are not that important, but I pray they'd be pleasing to you and our hearts would be as well. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not just the story of Adam and Eve. It's our story, too. You know that? Our first parents set the course. They kind of marked the way for all of us who would follow them. It's, it's our story as well. And in it, we catch this glimpse, ever so briefly, of what it was like before sin entered the world. Wouldn't it be nice to stop at chapter 2? Mm. We see life before it's marred by sin and pain. We see intimacy. We see innocence. They're naked. And once we can get over the middle school giggles of them being naked, we see beauty. We see people being completely known without the slightest hint of rejection or comparison. We see in the garden the way God intended for us to relate to each other and to him. 
see life in a place of beauty and perfect provision. We also see that in the garden, life is lived without any filters. There's no need for masks, none. We see complete vulnerability and, trans and transparency that just happens naturally. They just are, they felt no shame. If you're like me, you have a hard time even comprehending life like that. We're just too far removed from it. It was too long ago. But we can read it here, and if you're like me, you uh, desire to walk and talk with God the way Adam and Eve did. And then everything changes. Sin comes. And everything, every aspect of life for Adam and Eve and the human race is turned upside down. It's over. Paradise is lost. The master of deception twists these simple truths of God's word. Among other things that he twists, he takes don't touch or eat from this one tree, and Satan removes one tree and puts in every or any tree. In doing so, he sows these seeds of doubt. What's on the trees? Fruit, sustenance, life-sustaining goodness. And the father of lies begins to, begins to twist this truth. And the lie that eventually comes out is, God's not going to provide for you. He's not going to let you eat from all these trees. He doesn't. Did I lose it? There we go. He doesn't care. And therefore, eventually, God isn't good. The temptation that follows is, is to take matters into your own hands. If God's not going to provide, I've got to do it myself. It's a slippery slope. We're facing the same battle today that they did then. The same temptation every day. God isn't good. He doesn't really care for you. You're not his child, so you must fend for yourself. Take matters into your own hands. It's the same tactics. Now, guys, if um, you're a male sitting here or listening, you're probably going to say, thanks a lot, Eve, right? Thanks a lot. She just saw something she had to have. It must have been on sale. You reckon? It was probably a bargain. Of other things to eat that day. But she just had to have that one. I'm wondering if it was chocolate covered. I've never known a woman to turn down chocolate. Have you guys? Guys weren't cooked. Adam wasn't either. Right? Eve might have been the first to eat, but where was Adam when all this is happening? Where's Adam when this conversation between wife and a snake is taking place? He's, he's with her. He's next to her. Why didn't he do something? Why didn't he, he, he say something? Why didn't he intervene, protect his bride? He just stood there. 
passivity took hold. Ladies, have you ever known a man not to take responsibility for something? Not to step into chaotic situations and just be passive? Of course you have. Yes, that's one of our struggles, and Adam set the stage for that. None of us are immune. None of us are blameless, right? Both of them were to blame. What happens next? Shame enters the world and the human race. It's the first time anyone looks over their shoulder. It's the first time that, that eyes dart. It's the first time anyone ever covers themselves because of shame and wears a mask. It's not just the guilt of sin, but the shame that came with it. What's the difference in guilt and shame? Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. Imagine what that must have felt like if you'd never experienced it before. Isolation that comes with it, the immediate need to hide, to find cover, scrambling to cover yourself up. That's not Billy Joel. <laughs> Annette and I were driving up um, above Pitkin this last summer, and uh, we're driving by a cabin, uh, some, someone's summer cabin, and as we got close, we realized on the back porch is a guy taking a shower. Um, obviously didn't hear us coming or see us. I was screaming, don't look at that, but it was too late. Um, as this guy finally realized there is a driving 50 yards from him, he did what I call the duck and waddle. It's similar to the stop, drop, and roll, but it's the duck, cover, and waddle, <laughs> which he did into the cabin quickly, thankfully. Um, I got a picture that day of what it must have been like for Adam and Eve. Duck, cover, waddle to the trees and then begins going. The first job they had, all they had to do was pick fruit, right, and eat. That's all they needed to do. The second occupation in the garden was seamstress, which they both did. They both were in, in the haste of the moment trying to cover themselves. I'm not sure what a fig leaf looks like. I'm not sure I've ever seen one. I don't know how big they are. Um, I'm hoping they weren't quilting together aspen-sized leaves to them. Um, eventually, they use that and hide. No longer naked. Intimacy is gone. Innocence is now shattered. And now, down through the ages, our tendency is to do the exact same thing. To hide, to wear a mask, to pretend we are someone we're not. Whatever you do, don't let see the real me. I'll put your best foot forward. Don't look bad. Act like you got life together. Only post the best pictures of yourself. And if it's not a good one, then maybe use one of those apps to take the wrinkles off or take some of the weight off, put some of the hair back on, right? It's hiding. It's all forms of I don't know, I just keep cutting out.
because the message that we hear today is the same. The real me isn't good enough, right? But then the sweet story of redemption begins. God reenters the garden and is unwilling to leave Adam and Eve where they are. And this is what we're going to focus on for the rest of our time. But if you, if you read through chapter 3, you'll see that God asks four questions of Adam and Eve. The first three are to Adam, the last one's to Eve. And then he makes four statements, which we're not going to have time to get into today. But he makes four statements after that, one to, one to Satan, one to Eve, one to Adam, and a declaration to, I think, the Trinity. Uh, it's a fascinating study. Four questions and then four statements. We're going to look at the four questions that God asks and why. In these four questions, we begin to see God reveal himself and to us. We begin to see his character. Keep in mind that God never asks a question in order to obtain information, right? He's all-knowing. He already knows it. He's asking a question for our benefit. First question, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, do you think he didn't know where Adam was? Of course he did. He knew where Adam was. He knew exactly where he was. This isn't a question of location. It's an invitation to come out of hiding, to come to God, because God wants us close to him. That's it. Even in our sin and shame, he wants us to be near him. He wants to deal with our sin and shame. He's the one with the remedy with the strategy of how to deal with our sin and shame. Adam finally answers, and we see the fear. We see the broken relationship, and now the hiding. By the way, is it possible to hide from God? It's kind of like Jonah trying to run from God. How'd that work? Where are you? It's not about location. It's an invitation. Verse 11, the second question who told you you were naked? Remember, being naked symbolized being known, innocence, intimacy. Who told you you were naked? A couple things are implied here. One, they find out. They know. They now know that they're naked. And someone else told them. Jesus describes Satan as the father of lies. He begins to sow seeds of doubt and eventually with them lies. Every temptation has a lie attached to it. First lie eventually is that God is not good. And the second one that comes from it is that you aren't either. God's not good and neither are you. It's the foundation the enemy's building on. Why would he reveal to Adam and Eve that they're naked? Lie then becomes you're not good enough. You are not enough. It's, it's the original disinformation campaign, isn't it? He's a master at it. He really is. Who told you to cover yourself? Who told you that the way you are isn't good enough? Who told you you're not enough? Who told you you're not pretty enough? 
Who told you you're not thin enough, you're not smart enough? Who told you in order to feel better about yourself you need this? Same tactics. Many of you know that I'm in the fire department in Ohio City, and we uh, have pagers and radios that we get most of our calls on, but we also, a few years ago, dispatch began to use texts. And so we can use our cell phone and get a text and start saying, gun fire, EMS, please respond to such and such of address for this. Oftentimes it's a incident. Maybe it's a, a fire. But uh, many times, unfortunately, uh, more than we care to, to hear, it's oftentimes um, alcohol. It's a drug overdose. It's possible suicide. It's uh, a youth cutting themselves. Now when I read those texts, I think, who, who told you? Who told you that drug will fill the emptiness? Who told you that alcohol will ease the pain? Who told you that taking your life is the answer? Who told you that the best way to drown your sorrow is with this? Who told you you were naked? And it breaks my heart, especially during COVID. Suicide rates are up. Drug and alcohol abuse is up. He's using the same tactics, folks. Who told you you were naked? What we need instead is to be reminded of who we really are, not who we aren't. The other thing Satan introduced is the original identity theft, right? He did the same with Jesus. When he is tempted three times in, March, in Matthew chapter 4, it is his identity that Satan is trying, trying to, to get at. If you are the son of God, then do this. Perform. If you're the son of God, then do this. Try to be popular. Well, possessions. Each one of them. But Jesus combats that first one by quoting Deuteronomy and says, it's, it's, it's not about bread and a hungry man, but instead... He lives by every, every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just prior to that, at his baptism, when the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, God the Father booms down from heaven, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am pleased. Folks, if you're here this morning and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you've been adopted as his son and daughter. And the same is true for you. That truth is now applied to you. You are his child. And he loves you. And he's totally pleased with you. There's no need to hide. There's no need to wear a mask. No one gets to define you except Jesus. You know that? The third question God asks, is directed at, at Adam again. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Let's talk specifics. What did you do, Adam? God already knows. And the fourth question is similar. This one's directed at Eve. 
Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? God asks each of them, because we must each individually respond to God. I can't respond for you, you can't respond for me. Adam can't confess for Eve, Eve can't confess for Adam. He doesn't ask him this in order to condemn him. He asks this so Adam and Eve have a chance to confess. Because confession paves the way to forgiveness. It's the predecessor. Confession is simply agreeing with God. What I did was sin. That's it. First John 1 John 1.9, we're told that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It starts with the confession, but it's individual. No one can confess for you. You can't confess for someone else. God is giving Adam and Eve a chance to come clean because confession is that predecessor. It leads the way to forgiveness and eventually communion with God. But what do they do instead? It's the first episode of the blame game, right? Even though it's the first episode, Adam seems to be pretty good at it already. Verse 12, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. Adam blames God and then he throws his wife under the bus. And Eve too, too shows that she knows how to play this game also. The serpent deceived me and I ate. That was the first, the devil made me do it. Blame God, blame others, blame the devil. It's like water off a duck's back, right? Pass the buck, blame someone else. Blaming is the antithesis of confession, isn't it? It's the exact opposite of owning it and taking responsibility for it. Four questions. They're each designed to help Adam and Eve come out from hiding and experience God and his forgiveness. Never condemning. Always whispering in love, where are you? Where are you? Come. I don't want you to live in sh shame, sin. I've got you covered. Which is why he later provides skins for them to wear. No more fig leaf G-strings. Did I say that? No, no more fig leaves sewn together. Those coverings, of course, are the foreshadowing of what Christ would later do on the cross, covering our sin and shame once and for all. And if we don't accept and receive God's provision for covering us, then we're forced to find the way to deal with it. The result is hiding, wearing masks, living in shame, trying to be perfect, and the separation that brings all the while, God is saying, I want you to experience me. Come. Experience the freedom and forgiveness. Come to me, my child. I love you. You're mine, and I'm pleased with you. I told you I had two songs running around my head as I was preparing this. The other one's a completely different genre than Billy Joel. It's uh, Fred Rogers. One of my favorite movies over the last couple of years was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Tom Hanks. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. I remember, of course, watching 
Mr. Rogers neighborhood growing up. Just dated myself. Um, it was, it was, I thought it was kind of cheesy actually as a, as a kid. I always learned something too. What you may not know about Fred Rogers is that of course he was, he uh, was a f dedicated follower of Christ, ordained minister. Um, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood aired for 33 years. He did 895 episodes because of his love for children and wanting to communicate truth to them and help them deal with difficult situations. He also wrote over 200 songs for kids. And when I stumbled across this one, I thought, oh boy, that's, that's the bookend to Billy Joel. It's You I Like, written by Fred Rogers in 1971. I'm gonna, don't worry, I'm not gonna sing it, I'll just read it, okay? not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. You, I like. The way you are right now, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your toys. They're beside you. But it's you I like, every part of you. Your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new, I hope that you'll remember, even when you're feeling blue that it's you I like. It's you yourself, it's you. It's you I like. Folks, that's what God is saying to each one of us. It's you he likes. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you didn't leave Adam and Eve in the garden, that you came for them. Where are you? Thank you. You provided a way to deal with our sin and shame by sending your own son once and for all, dealing with all of it. God, thank you that you've adopted us as your sons and daughters. Thank you that you're whispering the same to us that you did to your son. I love you. I'm pleased with you. There's nothing we have to do. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to make you love us anymore. There's nothing we can do that will make you love us any less. God, help us uh, to take the masks off figuratively um, and live life on freedom and forgiveness. Father, thank you, for, thank you for the truth of your word. Let it just resound in our hearts throughout this day, weeks, months to come that it's you I like. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Follow up. Thank you so much, Spencer. As we're dismissed this morning, I uh, ask you to stand with me. Uh, thank you again for being here. Spencer, thank you. Jeff, once again, thank you. And Chris, wherever you're at. Uh, thank you. I hope that you'll be back with us this next weekend. Uh, and as we uh, will have one Sunday left in this month, and then we'll start uh, our journey through uh, Paul's letter to Timothy in 1 Timothy. And uh, just as a reminder, uh, we don't have our offering uh, just to minimize touch. So in the back, if you filled out a guest card uh, or if you have an offering, there's a box as you exit the building uh, for you to place your offering. Thank you so much for uh, continuing to be faithful 
Uh, we're, we only are trending slightly behind what our budget was uh, for this year. Uh, and so again, your faithfulness is very important. Uh, just to continue to have us in a position uh, to do what God's called us to do in this community. We're excited for next year. We started planning uh, last week, met with the EC, started planning for 2021. Uh, chomping at the bit to have tw to, uh, 2020 over. Uh, can I get an amen? Just, just get this behind us. And uh, maybe a, a new year uh, just uh, with things a little bit more back to normal. I hope you have a great day. Uh, the Lord bless you. Again, uh, remember uh, to live without the mask. Uh, this is what Jesus has accomplished for us. God bless you. You're dismissed. My friend.